Welcome everybody and really pleased to see so many people here and tonight I'm going to be talking about spirit releasing so I hope you're also going to be telling me all your interesting stories as well because I bet you've all got some and you might wonder what spirit releasing is and you might know of it as spirit rescue work the field I work in you might have even heard of it in terms of exorcisms because I work with earthbound spirits who also got attached to people as well as places and sometimes I just seem to come across spirits and end up working with them. A bit of background to, to me really. I've actually been working as a therapist in some form for about 20 years in the Froome area, but I started doing hands-on healing 33 years ago. I come from a family of people who do hands-on healing, so I just kind of carried on with the family tradition. And I work in past life regression and Reiki and reflexology and kinesiology and spirit releasing. I trained to do this as part of past life regression, working with hypnosis. But having said that, I realized that I started doing spirit releasing in some form long, long before. And my first experience of this was actually in a meditation group with a lady called Mavs Angel and some of you might have known of Mavs she, she actually lives in Trowbridge and in one of her groups which was a straightforward meditation group Mavs actually suddenly went off into a trance which wasn't something that she liked to do when she was teaching meditation and she started speaking with a very different tone of voice none of us really knew what was going on or quite what to do about it because we recognized what was happening was the person who was speaking through her with great difficulty was actually somebody who died in ancient Egypt not only that he'd had his tongue cut out and that is actually something they used to do to the people who built the tombs to keep it secret they would cut their tongues out they would then sew the mouth up and then shove them in the tomb to die well, somehow this poor chap had been stuck for the best part of 2,000 years. And somehow, when we'd set up our, that evening, our meditation, he somehow linked in with us and joined mouths and was speaking in this almost inaudible guttural tone. Because, of, <laughs> of course, he was speaking as though he had no tongue. And we got the gist of the story. And... I actually started to see what he looked like and I never claimed to be clairvoyant but I did actually see his face and he had a shaved head and he was in a bit of a state and as I say we were all a bit confused as to what to do but somehow between us all we managed to send him on and off he went to the light and that was my first experience of spirit releasing which was really more by accident than by design because I really didn't know very much about it at all and it had all been, it was quite alarming in a way, but it was uh, just so good to think that this person who had actually been stuck for that amount of time had finally moved on. And I really wanted to talk to you about what it is that, that enables some people to get stuck and what it is you can do about it. And people can get stuck in all sorts of different ways and for all sorts of different reasons. Most people, when they go into spirit, actually I believe feel a great sense of liberation and they actually have a rather good time and they're freed of all their 
whatever it was they had when they were alive, like physical pain is one that goes instantly. They just have a sense of terrific freedom. And, and I know this for a fact that my mother passed very recently and, and I know that she's having a very good time on the other side and I've had a couple of messages from her. So most people who go over actually I think are delighted to be there and have a lovely time. But however there are some people who do not. How many people here have ever seen the film called Sixth Sense? Well that is, that's a fair few. It's got Bruce Willis in. Well I think it's sort of spooky films go, it's actually quite good because it does show the level of confusion that an earthbound spirit can experience because in the film he's actually helping a young boy who has this issue that he can see dead people. Well the trouble is all the ones he sees usually look a bit of a state because the ones he sees tend to be the earthbound spirits and they do sometimes turn up looking a bit of a state, in other words the state they were in when they, they died. And he himself it turns out happens to be an earthbound spirit which is why some things were very confusing to him some things didn't seem to fit sometimes he didn't seem to be seen and sometimes he did but of course the young boy could always see him because he could see dead people so it's actually a very clever film and, and I felt it was a very good way of showing just the, the level of confusion that an earthbound spirit can experience the reason why some people get stuck it can be one incident, incident is that people can become addicted to something and when they go into spirit they carry their addiction with them and the first thing they do in spirit is look for whatever it was they were addicted to now that can be alcohol it could be drugs it could even be sex but basically whatever it was that was their addiction and obsession can sometimes mean that they will just continue with their addiction which is why public houses tend to be quite haunted places because also for some people it's a place of great familiarity and a place that they would associate with a good time so when they come out of body they just go down the pub and so there's an awful lot of spirit in pub <laughs> and an alcoholic spirit will actually look for somebody who is drinking heavily. The reason being is if they get drunk enough, the alcoholic spirit can kind of jump into their body to experience vicariously the joys of being drunk all over again. Now, another thing that can happen is that alcoholic spirit can then encourage that person to keep drunk and to drink even more. Now, if somebody has got alcoholic tendencies, they might find they have a bit of a voice in their head telling them to have another drink, have another drink. And then you think, I think I'll have another drink. And sometimes an alcoholic spirit might even join somebody, especially a, another heavy drinker, so they become attached. I think cases of what we call full possession are very rare, but attachment is not too uncommon, particularly with people who have a drug or alcohol problem or very flaky boundaries energetically. So sometimes somebody who is alcoholic will actually have an alcoholic on board carrying a sort of like a passenger who encourages them to keep their program of being alcoholic so it's even harder for them to break the habit. 
I did actually once pick up an alcoholic myself rather by accident when I was visiting my mum in hospital a few years ago and when I was driving across the Mendips I realised I was hearing a voice and the voice kept saying go to the pub and, and all I could hear was this go to the pub go to the pub go to the pub and I thought I was going a bit bonkers and then I saw pub I think it was the castle of comfort and I had this really strong urge to go to the pub and I thought that's pretty interesting for me because I don't actually drink I don't even like pubs and I certainly wouldn't be in the habit of going into a pub on my own and I thought this is odd and I realised I must have picked somebody up out of the hospital well of course a lot of people die in hospital and some people do actually hang around there and I just said in my, I just thought, said, well, I'm not going to the pub, but there's a pub if you want to go. And I felt this weird sensation like a whoosh. And it was all quiet. And I thought, oh no, there's another one at the Castle of Comfort. <laughs> so we've so got at least one in there now. So I say alcoholism is one thing that can actually lead people to stay. Um, drug addiction is certainly another one. And it can be an obsession with somebody is another one so any kind of obsessive thinking is likely to to mean that the person will stay sometimes it can be because of depression as well if somebody is very very depressed and perhaps kills themselves they are also a bit more likely to, to hang around because the state of mind that led them to take their own life means that they're already very disturbed and they can come out of body and stay stuck with that negative state of mind and not really be aware that there's a light there that they can go to that there's guides there they can go to they're just stuck in whatever hell it was that they were living out and certainly a number of the the ones that I've worked with have been suicide cases who've got basically stuck in a sort of a loop like a time loop in spirit there is no time as we know it so somebody could be stuck for a minute, a year, a month a hundred years a thousand years it makes no difference for them if you were asked to ask the date they would give the date that it was when they last knew what a date was the first time I worked with um, an entity that was actually attached to somebody and I asked him what date is it it was something like 1870 for him and that was the date he gave because for him that was the date so that was obviously when he died and as I said earlier on I came into doing this kind of work initially through hypnosis and it, it was part of the training I did in past life regression because sometimes you'd be talking to somebody as they were in a past life but in fact you weren't talking to them at all you were talking to an entity who was talking about the life that they just had so you had to know the difference which is why it was part of the training and it was quite some time before I had an opportunity to work on somebody who had picked up a passenger and it turned out to be the wife of a friend of mine and something very odd had been happening to her for about two years in fact it, it started at the birth of her, her child and it had been quite a difficult birth and since that time she's had all sorts of strange things going on in her body and one of the things that happened every time she received healing and she often didn't feel happy she was in fact she, she felt pretty depressed since the birth of her child which of course sometimes this can happen anyway with postnatal depression 
but she's not been happy since she's had her child, yet one part of her felt she should be really thrilled and another part of her was always down. And every time she had any healing, she said to me she had this odd sensation, like something was kind of pushing through her throat. And, and I gave her some healing and she did have the same thing and she seemed to be sort of oh, kind of choking. And, and I thought, well, let's have a go at hypnosis and see what's going on. So I put her into a light trance and I wasn't sure that it was going to be anything to do with an entity but I thought maybe it was a past life, something releasing and I thought, oh, let's, let's go in and almost immediately I had this man speaking to me and it became very clear that he actually had died in Victorian times. He'd actually taken his own life. He'd been alcoholic and severely depressed and a suicide so therefore one of the mo ones most likely to get stuck the combination of all of that and <clears throat> and also being alcoholic he had had an entity himself because he described what had happened when he died and I took him through his death again and again and so it became very clear what had happened and when this woman was giving birth she had energetically kind of jumped out of her body leaving herself very wide open for this man who just saw port in a storm and jumped right in. So when she got back in, it was like, ooh, there seems to be two of us here. And he was so depressed that the reason why she was depressed after the birth of her child, it wasn't her depression, she was feeling his. But one of the things that happens if you have somebody attached to you, you tend to feel a certain level of their emotion that they had, their last emotion that they had when they were alive. Something of their personality, and certainly if they had any severe ailments, even a bit of that. So if somebody was, had severe arthritis, and in spirit they connect to you, you can start to get lots of aches and pains. Not as severe as perhaps what they had, but certainly a feeling of it. So with him joining her at a time when she was very vulnerable, she then developed a lot of depression. He wasn't very keen to go and I will say that this was the hardest one that I've had to work with. It really was for me a baptism of fire because in all the textbooks that I'd read and all the training I'd been given you have a nice chat and they peacefully move on. <laughs> then I met this man and his name was Fred and I remember that much about it although it was quite some years ago and he was obviously a very troubled man in his life and he had really, he'd drunk himself into a stupor and he'd lost his family, he had a description of his life and his losing his wife and his child because of his alcoholism and you know, and the state he got himself in and he actually threw himself off a bridge into a river and he drowned well then he somehow linked in with this woman and she had a lot of light energy around her and at a time when she was vulnerable in the middle of giving birth he sort of thought ooh safe place he didn't really want to go and I was saying all the textbooks are all oh they're all king as mustard to get off but this one wasn't and then I thought oh dear I encouraged him in a very nice way I sort of you know let him know that you know he had passed on and he couldn't stay here and there was this wonderful place for him to go to and I sort of sold him heaven I thought quite well and I suggested he moved on and he just started choking her now this has never happened since her head went back and she started making all these guttural noises and her face went a horrible purple colour 
and it was actually quite scary. <laughs> I don't tell you about things like this in the book. And she'd go, <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, he's going to stop her breathing. And this was what she was experiencing, a mild form of, of every time she had Reiki or any sort of healing. But somehow he kind of lodged in her throat area in some way. So there's all this choking. And I thought, oh, what do I do? So I told him off. So I put on my best school mom voice. Ten years of being a school teacher helped. I gave him a really stern ticking off and told him to behave himself. And he did. And she sort of went to normal colour and stopped choking. I thought, oh, thank goodness for that. Oh. So then I thought, well, we're going to have to try some other techniques here so I started actually getting everybody I could think of that might have known him forward he didn't respond well to his own guy coming forward so I had to get kind of any friends any relatives <laughs> the trouble was he didn't seem to trust many people and um, I can't think who it was I got in the end but I think in the end I found somebody that he felt he could trust appeared to him and he started to go and she started to twitch about and then she said oh I think he's going and I thought he was going and then we had this really amazing moment when we both thought he was going and he started to come out of her body and she felt the sensation of him lifting and then he changed his mind and he came back down and I thought no this doesn't happen in the books and it was going on and on and on and I just thought, well, now we know what's happening and he's there. I can't leave her with this guy because it's going to be even worse knowing that she's got this old bloke Fred from Victorian times still there. So anyway, I persevered very patiently and I just kept on and on and on. And, and in the end, he did move off. And she suddenly said, I just saw his legs. <laughs> I just saw his legs as he went. And then she just felt so different. It was like she was so elated and she hadn't felt like that since the birth of her child. And she just said, I feel amazing. And then I did a little bit of work to help seal her, her energy field after that, but she felt great. And I thought, well, I know that Fred was great because he went on where he should have gone over a hundred years before, and so he'd be well looked after. And I thought, wow, that was terrific. And she went off and actually was much, much happier from that point on. And I was so excited, I ran up and down the stairs shrieking, hey, and various other things. <laughs> That's when I decided this sort of work was for me. <laughs> and I'd say, fortunately, that was probably one of the worst cases I've ever had to deal with, but it did teach me about having to be very persistent and having to try everything that you know to help to, to separate one from another and that kind of entanglement. So that was a good example of actually a case of somebody who had suffered with both suicide and alcoholism. But sometimes people will attach to somebody they know. And that is because of familiarity, because they are very literally very attached to them in life and they don't want to leave them when, they, when they've passed over. So sometimes a spirit attachment can be somebody that you have known be that friend or relative or partner or lover and occasionally those cases come up and in a way there's usually a kind of agreement going on between the two when you've lost somebody that you love very much it's very hard feeling that they're gone from you and so sometimes there is this sort of agreement that happens so that that person joins but kind of with agreement because you sort of want them there and there was one case actually that was somebody who ended up with a spirit attachment and it was by agreement but she didn't know the man in his life 
and she was in hospital having just lost a child and this was a young man who died in an accident and that's another way that sometimes people get stuck it's, sudden, it's a very sudden accident and they're very confused now he was on a motorbike he'd been hit by a large vehicle I think it was something like a bus he didn't die immediately but he died in the ambulance going to the hospital and of course they were trying to revive him all the way to the hospital they were still trying to bring him back and when they got to the hospital they were still desperately trying to bring him back and, there was, and he was kind of trying to stay and also trying to please all these people who were trying to revive him but they couldn't his body was too far gone so he ended up kind of hanging out in the hospital I mean he didn't move to the light he didn't see his guys he just thought ooh I'm in hospital and he was like walking around and then he met this this woman who lost her child who subsequently became one of my students and he just became very he was very attracted to her and her having just suffered a, a loss just felt the presence of this person and kind of welcomed them and he joined her and he stayed with her for years and years and years and actually they were quite a happy twosome and it wasn't until she started to do this kind of work she realized she couldn't go around with her happy passenger and they did separate but she did grieve for quite some time afterwards having lost that connection because she felt his presence so it was almost like there was always somebody with her well there literally was always somebody with her so sometimes this isn't all about somebody coming along like a parasite and just grabbing hold of whoever goes by sometimes there is a kind of agreement and sometimes what it is they're meeting a need in someone and you might think well why does one person end up with somebody attached to them and another person doesn't there's all sorts of reasons why you might be a good host if you like sometimes it can be that you are very very compassionate and very welcoming and very very open and there's something in you that allows it and I know of one case it was somebody worked in an abortion clinic and she was very compassionate and she seemed to pick up any any lost souls that were going but not move them on being like that is fine I'm like that I pick them up but fortunately I know when I pick them up now and I can move them on so if you're the sort of person that attracts them it's not really a problem if you can just keep moving them through it is a problem if you attract them in you kind of welcome them in saying oh you know come here lovey I'll look after you and then hang on to them all because you cannot energetically hold them all something else that allows the attachment to happen is if your energy is a good match for the energy of the person looking for somebody to attach to for example you happen to be alcoholic and an alcoholic comes along you're a very good match it kind of enables that connection or maybe you've been very badly abused and you've never let go of the, the wound and that wound in you can leave you vulnerable to somebody who suffered something similar it's almost like you just become an energetic match and so whatever it is there is usually a reason why it's not often by sheer chance although occasionally I think it could be that you just happen to be in the right place at the right time there's another very odd case that I didn't deal with but somebody else I know dealt with was one of somebody who had, was in spirit and actually had been pretty well haunting a house decided they wanted to experience a bit of life again and it was a man and he decided he would jump into the body 
of a young man trying to join them somehow so he could re-experience a bit of the, the joys of being a young man again and a car was coming down the road past his house it had a man and a woman in it so he kind of leapt into the car he overshot and he landed in the woman <laughs> and he wasn't happy <laughs> because he didn't want that at all and so he was actually apparently very easy to move on because he kind of it wasn't what he wanted and it wasn't really you know his thing and one case that I worked with which is again more a case of proximity really was a lady who had worked in a factory for a while with an older woman and um, so she had known this person the person had died and when she died she was for some reason she just she didn't go on to the light she just didn't she just hung around and she attached to this particular young woman because she thought she could re-experience all over again being young and she thought she was going to have some of the experiences that she'd never had in her life she'd grown up through depression the end of the war and everything else she'd had a fairly hard quite sad grim life and attaching to this young woman in what would have been the late 1980s she was expecting to have all the good times that she didn't have and she thought it was going to be all sort of you know wild nights out lots of fun but the trouble was she made it she was a poor judge of character because the woman that she had chosen had a young family rarely went out didn't drink quite liked a bit of sewing and a bit of reading and she just she got stuck so she couldn't then she didn't know how to move on she pretty well got stuck with somebody she considered pretty boring now this woman came to me because she had a problem with her shoulder she'd been having osteopathic treatments for uh, quite some time with this really painful shoulder well when I took her under to see what was going on in her body it became very obvious that this old lady had somehow lodged in her shoulder and was causing this discomfort and she was very easy to move on she was more like all the textbook cases it took about five minutes we had a little chat why she joined her you know what it was that led her in what it was she needed to move she didn't need a lot she just got a bit confused and didn't quite how to get out she couldn't wait to go she couldn't believe how boring it had been it wasn't what she wanted at all so telling her she could have all these fun times somewhere else it was like well you know <laughs> where's the party I'm going and the minute she shot off this woman was like ooh she said moving her shoulder around ooh this is better shoulder problem went instantly so sometimes when somebody joins somebody else they bring with them more than just a bit of their past life personality they can literally bring a bit of their pain as well so she was very very pleased to get shot of her and I'm sure the old lady in question was very happy when she found that she could actually experience whatever it was she wanted to experience in another dimension without actually interfering with somebody else's free will so in terms of other other cases of attachment I've dealt with there's been so many I'm quite, kind of, quite hard to choose the best ones to tell you about sometimes somebody can be attached because they had known them in a previous life now some of you might not even believe in past lives but if you just take it as read that <laughs> for the purpose of this bit there is a past life but um, there was one case my friend Linda worked on and this man was, came to her for kinesiology treatment because 
He was having relationship problems. He could never seem to find the right partner. He said, it's like I'm always looking for the woman of my dreams. Literally. Because every night he was having these amazing dreams. And in these amazing dreams, there was this lovely young woman. And he seemed to be in love with this woman in his dreams. So he was literally looking for the woman of his dreams. Nobody else ever measured up. None of his relationships ever worked out or lasted any length of time. And he said, it's almost like, well, I, he wanted this woman in his dream. And he couldn't, and he kept thinking he was going to meet her. If only I could meet her. And I know she exists. Well, it turned out it wasn't so much a case of kinesiology. It's more a case of needing to move on somebody who was attached to release a spirit. What had happened was this woman who was in his dream was actually a spirit who had become attached to him. So he was no way going to find her in incarnation because she was with him. He'd already found the woman of his dreams. He just didn't know it. And what had happened was she had known him in another lifetime. They had been pledged to each other. He'd gone off. I'm not quite sure why now. He might have gone off to war. And he never came back. But the trouble was, in those days with poor communications, often if men went off to war, they didn't come back. But you didn't know what happened to them. Or they'd go off for five years or ten years and then come back. Or they'd go off and they'd marry somebody else in the country they'd gone to to fight. And the women were often left not knowing. Well, she stayed single, pining for him. And he never came back. And in the end, she actually cursed him. And the energy of that curse was what had linked them. So bonds can be made across time and space. They can be of love. They can be of hate. Or they can be something like this, where she actually cursed him. But there was actually underlying all that. There was deep love overlaid with a lot of anger. So they'd already made the connection. He was not free in this life to find anyone else because all the time he still had her there. So what had to happen? They had to resolve the issue. They had to dialogue. They had to clear it. He had to sort of really kind of apologize for not coming back and there was some reason. I think he died, which is why he hadn't come back. She had to realize that he died, which is why he had appeared to have left her. And it was all resolved and she agreed to move on. And, and it was quite a sad parting in that he didn't want to see her go, but he realized he needed to live his life. And he couldn't live his life with this woman. And after that, he did actually go out and start a relationship with someone so it did work for him so I say the reasons for attachment are many and varied and sometimes although I've been talking more about attachment to people people can come, become attached to a place they can effectively haunt a place and one thing I didn't say about attachment to people some people often say well how do you know if you've got somebody there well, I think all the people I've worked on have known that they've got somebody attached to them. I think you do have a sense of knowing if you've already, always got somebody with you. Sometimes you just don't feel yourself. I think that's one way of putting it. And sometimes they'll say you can have feelings that don't seem to belong to you. And sometimes there's aches and pains and bits and pieces of stuff that comes through that just isn't yours. And I can only think, really, from my experience, because I've actually picked up entities. I had to learn about this through my experience, really, of just picking them up and then realizing how it felt to pick somebody up. And I can only say that you do feel different. 
and you don't feel yourself and um, it feels like an energy drain and for me personally I'd often find my vision would get very poor and I did once pick up a man who I picked up a lot when I was visiting my mother in hospital until I learnt how to sort of basically clear the wards on mass I used to set mass launches from the ward um, because to start with I didn't realise what was going on I'd go and visit my mum and the first time I came out I felt very odd but I thought well my mum's life was quite in danger at that time and I thought it was all the emotional stress but I was sat in the car with my friend Linda who's very clairvoyant and she said she was like there's somebody talking in here I can hardly hear a word you're saying there's somebody else talking in here and I was like what? what? and she said she said there's a little old man in here he's hanging on to your aura (laughs) and that was the first time I realised I had a tendency maybe to pick people up and she actually told me to deal with it now I couldn't see or hear in other dimensions very well I can do it up to a point but I tend to have to meditate a bit first and when you're going along in a car you can't really do that so I just started talking to him and then she was telling me what was happening so I would sort of in my head say something to him and then she would say if it was working and in the end we had success and it all and it all worked very well and he heard what I said and he responded very well and I had to get somebody to come and get him but they did and he was really happy and he went off and I had this lovely whoosh of energy through, through my body and I thought oh and I suddenly felt better and my eyes cleared and I could see properly and I thought oh I thought that's great so next time I went into Western General I put loads of protection around me loads and loads I felt I was armour plated and I thought I'm not going to take any passengers out this time the second time I had the alcoholic telling me to go to the pub the third time I was in nearly every day the third time somebody had emphysema and I coughed all night and in the morning I felt wretched and I thought what is going on and I had this old man with me and I thought I cannot be doing with this the next time I went in I think armour plated was you know it was just light beyond light around me I just built up my auric shell so enormous and so tight I thought right this will be it nobody could possibly attach to me now but I think they were I think they were very attracted by the ball of light (laughs) walking around the walls because then I was speaking to my mum and she's wired up to no end of machinery there's tubes coming out of everywhere and and I just had this sense of people coming at me again I was coming I could kind of out the corner of my eyes see somebody and then she said she said something to me um, and I started to feel a crowd coming and then my mum said you know the floor looks like it's moving she said I don't know if this is the anaesthetic still wearing off if it said it looks like water and she pointed at my crowd and what I'd done because I decided I'd better find a way of dealing with this issue of taking people out of the hospital as I actually kind of in my head yelled out anybody who wants to go now anybody who's stuck here anybody who wants to go to the light anybody who wants to move on now is your time come on down come on down to Hutton Ward you know and uh, and they were coming in their droves all the people who passed in the hospital had not gone on who got confused or stay to please doctors or nurses or just didn't know where they were all the confused had turned up and all the lost had turned up and I had a crowd my mum was pointing at my crowd saying the floor was moving and then the lights all dimmed on the ward 
and I realized I had really a seriously big crowd of people building up so so what I did then I thought oh I've got to do something with this so I basically set it up for all their guides to come and got lots of light there and asked for the light to appear so they could move into it and one by one they all shot off and it was like doing 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 and off they went and then the light actually went up and my mum said that's better the floor stopped moving and I thought hmm and they've all gone and I thought thank goodness I don't have to go home with passengers and so then every time I went to hospital I'd do the same thing and see if there's any new ones and most times I had you know a few people who went and in the end my mum got very sensitive to this and she said I could feel them coming round so I said Jane will be in at three o'clock turn up then <laughs> and she was lining up my out-of-body clients for me and she's doing a very good job because I always have plenty so between us I think we did a pretty good job of clearing up Western General Hospital but it was actually the experience of actually carrying a few that helped me to understand what it feels like for people who come to me with this issue and how they feel and there was one time where I did actually see really the process of attachment taking place where I had a man turn up in my bedroom at night which could have been quite exciting and um, I was lying in bed and I was lying with my arms over my head and I suddenly felt somebody hanging onto my wrist pinning me down to the bed I actually felt it I was in that state where you're not asleep but you're not awake you know when you're sort of in between and that is I think a state where you can most clearly see into other dimensions unless you're already a seer who can see in all dimensions all the time of course but for me in that state I can really see a lot it's a bit like being in a deep meditation and I looked and I saw a man's face and I heard him yell at me no one can see me and I, and I said well I can <laughs> and it took me I was a bit confused and it took me a few moments to work out what on earth was going on but I did rapidly work out this is somebody who is in spirit who is stuck and his face changed now this brings me back to that film Sixth Sense that I know some of you here have seen because suddenly it looked like half his face was missing it was not a pretty sight it was like an eye had gone the cheekbone had gone part of the nose it was like his face half of it had been blown off and I suddenly understood he was showing me what had happened to him and the weird thing was I knew that I knew him I didn't recognize him but there was such a sense of familiarity and a sense of knowing and at this point I'll say I was very confused and I was half asleep I remember saying to him as he started to sink into me I was like watching spirit attachment taking place I was actually watching his body sinking into mine and I thought I'm not having that <laughs> so I filled myself with light and just saw him pushing out again and I thought oh, that's more like it and I thought well how interesting to actually see the process in my line of work I thought what a gift that was I thought it could have been that easy and I, because I knew that I knew him from some time some place somewhere I remember I shouted I love you but get off me <laughs> and then it was like everything kind of blanked out there and I remember the next morning I was really shaky and really quite confused 
And it was Halloween as well, just to cap it all. <laughs> and I remember saying to my then housemate, saying, the weirdest thing happened last night. It was like it was a dream, but I didn't think it was a dream. And I was all sort of all shaky. Well, that very night, I had um, a session booked with a friend of mine to do some training in um, Tibetan Reiki. I was already an Asui Reiki master, but he was training me to be a Tibetan Reiki master. It's like a whole different set of symbols involved in it. So I was going off there and I thought, well, this would be really great. When I was having this training, I went into an amazing altered state of consciousness, which proved to be very useful because I was shown a bit of my future, which was great. And then I remember asking this group of beings if they could help sort out this chap. And they said, no, I had to do it. And I didn't really see why, but later on I realized that this person was stuck. When somebody is stuck, their vibratory level is such that they cannot see the angels. It's almost like somehow we can be an intermediary, which is why, although the angels are around that person all the time, that their guides and their guardians were there, they couldn't see them. The vibratory difference was too great. Yet I could connect with him and get him to connect with the next level up. But the next level up, if you like, couldn't connect with him direct, which is why it was down to me. Well, it was more really down to my friend Linda in the end. Because the following day, she'd arranged to come and see me. It was at a time when we were running a, a college training people in past life therapy. And many of our business meetings resulted in mostly yakking and lots of tea drinking. Well, anyway, she'd come round and I'd recently moved house into the house I was then in at Cloford. And I was boasting about how the house had been haunted when I moved in, but I had successfully cleared it. Oh, I knew that, she said. I could have told you that when I first looked in the window and I saw this woman in there. She hadn't mentioned it to me. She waited for me to find out and sort it out myself. And we both decided she was a very nice thought. Well, while we were talking, there was this loud crash. And it came from an empty room. And then it was like, she said, Oh, she said, I think we've got a bit wall clearing to do. And I said, well, I know where that's going to be. I thought, this is my bedroom. I said, come to my bedroom. Now, the thing about my friend Linda, she is somebody who sees in all dimensions all the time. It's one of her gifts. So, whereas I do it some of the time, when I move my state of consciousness, she's just there all the time. So, she walks in my bedroom. Oh, here he is. And she describes him. Oh, yes, yeah, so tall. The facial features, the hair, everything. I said, that's him. Oh, oh, she kept saying, oh, oh, she, he's just showed me what happened to him. I said, oh, I saw that. That's the face being blown off. Well, actually, she saw the whole body. She said, after it had been blown off, actually, he was not in a good state. Well, what had happened was, he was actually in the First World War. And he basically ended his life at the Somme. The reason why he found me, and the reason why I had this odd feeling that there was this big connection between us, he was one of my best mates. He was calling me, she said he was calling me by this other name. It was the name I had when I was a soldier. Somehow, although you might go from life to life, it's like your energy doesn't actually change, it's still you. And he was still using this, this male name. And he'd recognised me and he knew he'd be safe with me. And this guy was called Tommy well actually his name was Tony but he never liked being called Tony so he'd like to be called Tommy and we'd known each other a long time and we'd been good friends and apparently in that life I was quite religious and um, 
what he hadn't realised was actually I don't think I'd lived many days longer than he did because I went out in the Somme which is an event I do remember um, but he'd come out of body and stayed stuck and he was just worried about he wanted to find his wife who was called Marie and he was determined to find her but he was very upset because he felt that she wouldn't like to see the state he was in but the thing was he didn't really know he was dead for him it was still whatever year it was like 1917 I think something like that hmm? <laughs> voices from beyond um, so he had actually literally got stuck in that time and in that hell of what had happened to him at that time and so actually Linda sort of had a conversation with him and with me and between us we had a three-way conversation only we had to go through her because I couldn't feel him when I was wide awake and we actually had a really fond farewell in the end and I felt quite relieved when he went because with him came a lot of sadness and depression and I hadn't understood that he'd been around me for a little while because I'd been going around singing First World War folk songs and things at the time and I didn't know why so it explained a lot for me but also the interesting thing for, for me was to actually see how attachment can happen so easily particularly if there is a connection with the person and there's a way in and it was so nice to think that at last he could move on and he was alright and I still sometimes think about him and think you know it would be nice to see him again when I go over eventually <laughs> I think I'm going to have a lot of friends up there I can, I can go and see so in a way I say in terms of people often say wow how do you know it's you know you got one but I say most people do most people have a sense of it even if you're not sure so if any of you think oh I might have well you might have but I think you, you tend to know it's, you know it's not sort of some people think well I might have one and actually they've got no sign symptoms or anything they just you know wonder in terms of people getting stuck in a house well I think over to you now what are the symptoms of a haunted house Knocking and noises. All right, what else? Come on. Yes. Cold. Anything else anyone can think of? Oh, yes. <laughs> Seeing something or a light or something wafting by you is another one. Can anyone think of anything else that you might have heard of or maybe even experienced? Yes. Smells. Good one. Thank you. Orbs, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Things flying across the room, in case you didn't hear that, Marina. Um, footsteps. Yes, footsteps. That's definitely another one. Voices, knockings on the door. Other than kiddies doing cherry knocking, which I used to do when I was young. It's good fun, that one. So all these are things that you have heard of or maybe experienced. Has anyone here ever experienced any of those phenomena? Hands up if you've experienced. Goodness me. Well, you'd love this, Marina. That's like half the group. <laughs> Would you like to just tell us one of the things that you've experienced? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah so where I'm living now, there's a, <coughs> a Georgian Mm-hmm. 
I just see a ghost. I said, oh, you mean the one in the room? And she said, that's the mob cat and everything. And she's just gone through the mall into my flat. I said, well, that's probably where she's sitting in the attic. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's pretty. She's friendly. She seems quite happy. I'm not going to send her into the night. She's nice to have around. So you're all quite happy living together? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, any more like to share a story? Yes. Yeah. Um, Vaughan was at my nurse, and I actually heard the dog barking in the kennels um, where I work uh, early one morning, about 7 o'clock in the morning, and um, there weren't any animals actually in the hospital that day, and what I, what I didn't realise is where I heard the dog barking was where the old kennels used to be, mm-hmm. and it's quite a big thing to sound that you get this echo. So it feels like it's bouncing off the walls. It wasn't outside. I was definite about that. Um, yeah, and, and the, the new kennels are the other side of the building. So there's no mistake in there. But there have been other vets that have reported seeing a dog or different dogs in that part of the surgery. So all large animals. Well, it's a good point because it's not just people who can appear in spirit. It can be animals too. Mm. I actually, I think most of my life ended up living in haunted houses. So I kind of grew up with all this, which I think partly why it doesn't bother me. I certainly don't find any of it alarming or scary in any way at all. It's just what I've always known. And the house I lived in when I was in my teens was haunted by quite a number of beings. And we used to get some very unusual phenomena in the house. Now, some of the things that you, you mentioned, signs of haunting, well, I think that house probably had pretty well all of them. We certainly had footsteps that would come up the stairs. We occasionally had voices. We had a lot of heavy breathing going on. We had loud crashes that sometimes sounded like pieces of furniture being hurled down the stairs. They were quite alarming, really. we get cold spots, drafts, hot spots. It was a freezing cold house, but there was a hot spot in my room and it was like a ball of heat you could put your hand in, which I used to do regularly. Things would disappear and then reappear somewhere else. Sometimes, if you wanted a door open overnight, you better shut it because whatever it was, it would be the opposite in the morning. Lights would be switched on and off. Taps would turn on and off. Things would get sometimes tidied up. Cutlery would be all put neatly and oddest things would go on. And the other very odd phenomena was a white mist that appeared to fill the room occasionally. My mother used to think it was her producing ectoplasm or something. Because she used to lie on the floor somewhere and say, Oh, look, Jane, I've produced the mist again. And we'd find ourselves blinking across this room like in this thick fog, trying to see properly. So there was all this stuff going on. My mum was also periodically seeing spirit cats. And once a time, she alluded to a garden gnome that nobody else saw, but we didn't say much about that. Well, she eventually sold the house to my brother, who converted it to flats, but he couldn't keep tenants in there. Why? Because of the other residents. You see, whereas we loved it all, and we also, you had the feeling you were never on your own there, you'd walk in the door and immediately start a conversation. It felt uncomfortable not to and rude not to. They didn't like it. And in the end, he said, well, you know, didn't really know what to do. And I said, well, I'll come over with my friend Linda. And I said, you know, Linda, super psychic, and me, we'd go in there, we'd sort them all out. So we walked in, 
and when we walked in basically it was like a tour through my past because I've not lived there for donkey's years but Linda actually got together all the earthbounds in the property there was one a bit like your chap chappy from the Hebrides who was a free spirit he'd actually he knew what happened what he basically was free to come and go he used to come to where mum and I eventually lived and check up on us and stayed in contact with us. Now he was called Steve, which interestingly enough was also my brother's name. He had a motorbike when he was alive, indeed my brother did. I think in character he was quite like my brother. He died um, on the road that this road joins to. It's a busy main road in Weston called the Locking Road. It was a motorcycle accident. And the reason he'd come to that particular house was there was a sort of energy portal, a bit like a doorway that he just went through and he had found two young people who one had died of an asthma attack in hospital which was really literally stone straight down the other end of the road the other one had died well she um, she'd been in a fire and I think she also had died in the hospital but was very very confused so he brought these two youngsters who were like teenagers with him to the house to look after them because they were stuck so although he was free to come and go, he thought he'd kind of look after these two. Already in the house were two of the previous residents. They were from Victorian times, mother and daughter. I mean, so that the mother was ancient, the daughter was sort of middle-aged. And they were the ones who were prone to tidying up and making rattling noises in the grate. Now, for some reason, they were on a slightly different dimensional level to the kids. So Steve was aware of them and the kids, but they weren't aware of each other. Anyway, walking around this house, it was like, oh, and this is so-and-so, and she introduced me to, you know, she's, and they were all saying, oh, I remember her, and the lad was called Brett, and mum had, she had that name, she knew that name. And the girl was called Annie, and Brett called her Smoking Annie. Now, this ectoplasm that my mother was convinced she was producing, it wasn't. What it was was Brett who was like a typical naughty teenage boy, would get Annie to produce this smoke. It was the one thing she could do. She was a bit sort of, a bit confused, but she could produce a lot of kind of smoke. And so he would do that for a laugh, basically. Especially because, you know, I think he must have had a hell of a time, you know, with filled up the room with smoke. My mum would go into, oh, I think it's me and my ectoplasm again. And we'd all be there going, hmm? So he was having a lovely time. He was also the one who was prone to taking things and making them reappear. And he also occasionally shouted boo in my ear, which would make me jump out of my skin. So he was really the little tinker, but very sweet. And he certainly actually adored my brother, because my brother did a lot of martial arts. And my friend Linda said, oh, he's doing all these kung fu kicks. He kind of modelled himself on my brother. And it was actually quite a happy, strange family. And when we went upstairs, I saw something shoot across the room quite low. And I said, what on earth was that? She said, oh, there's a very grumpy gnome in here. And I thought, Mum was right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we had to sort all this lot out. And everybody went on. But Steve said he wouldn't leave until there was some sort of guardian over the portal. So that was arranged. And so everybody went on. And the next tenants who moved in, well, one of them, she was so happy that she said to my brother, you won't get me out of here except in a box. And so he's had no problems ever since. And I've always got tenants in the house. And it's peaceful. And kind of a lot warmer as well. So that was my experience of growing up in a haunted house. 
but since that time I've actually been called to to clear a number of buildings it wasn't something I thought I could do or I was even particularly trained in doing I just thought well if people were very desperate and they'd find me I'd say oh well I'll give it a go and my first one that I was asked to do as a sort of a job turned out to be in Wales and it was a block of flats and when she said oh I bought this property and I'm converting it um, it's in an old people's home I thought biggish house I had no idea it was enormous it was absolutely colossal I think there was something like 50 flats in it it was just huge and it was full of Welsh builders who hadn't finished building it and the reason why they wanted me to go there the builders were becoming afraid the builders were becoming aware of the, the ghost in the, the property and so that she called me because she said well this is going to be student lets and most of them will be foreign students and they'd come here and ended up, would end up in this haunted place and one of the students would be her daughter so I said well I'll go in and see what I can do and when I arrived and I was dressed sort of quite nicely in sort of ordinary girly clothes and was immediately kitted out in sort of builder's outfit and hard hat and I just thought hmm great big wellies you know hard hat coat and there I was with you know set of Tibetan bowls and white sage and and I said well basically when I clear a room I need to have the room to myself because I need to feel the energies that are in there and it's very hard when it's full of people well builders so I got free reign to go in every room and every time I needed a room I had to just shovel the builders out and shut the door and I thought well I came up with this great idea I thought this is an enormous building and I'm going to start in the roof and I worked my way down one floor after another and as I worked through I kind of clear each floor and make sure I cleared the floor and I thought this will work really well which did up to a point you know I did the roof was alright and I did the first floor and I had one or two people there and they were all fine it was actually the residents from the old people's home and fortunately enough I could actually hear and see enough to actually get them because I heard one say we're all ready and he had a little group and one had been in a wheelchair and she actually kind of ran at me she, suddenly she realised she wasn't trapped in this chair anymore because she nearly knocked me over and I kind of nearly went backwards then it got really funny because I hit the floor with all the builders and this woman didn't really want them to know what I was doing but of course it was them who had the problem and so some of them would come and say oh what's this then is it feng shui <laughs> so I said, yeah something like that and, they, and then some of the others realised what I was doing and they'd start telling me their experience of what they'd seen and heard and, and other ones would say oh don't get them all out I've never seen a ghost I want to see one well then it also coincided with the the council inspectors coming to see how this was going because it's a major project and they all, all the suits suddenly arrived and there I was <laughs> with all my kit with my hard hat and so of course I was telling them what I was doing and they were very good to give their due they didn't all fall over laughing well my idea is they worked up to a point because what I hadn't realised that the light was fading fast it was winter and when I got to the basement which was the least built area that didn't have any electric at all it was just sort of wires hanging down it was dark it was damp it was dingy I got to the bottom and because I had this technique of pushing pushing energy down each time to make sure I didn't miss any the one that didn't really want to go was in the basement so there I was now with a torch 
<laughs> in the basement of this colossal building on my own <laughs> dealing with the one truculent one and I thought well I've learned from that and in the end I was so exhausted by that time and I really had it and I thought I cannot cannot just have an argument with this guy because he was just all for telling me to bugger off basically and I realised I had a rude one here and he just didn't want to know and he wasn't one of the residents of the old people her, people's home before that it had been some sort of seaman's um, lodgings and he was one of them and he was very mean and moody and and I think I was just very sharp with him and I just wasn't taking any nonsense and I just got somebody new to come and I said right you know you are going now and that's it and it's like off he went and the job was done and actually everything went fine the building was finished all these hundreds of students moved in and it was all fine and they've had no problems there so I thought oh so that was my first kind of proper clearing job and I thought it went really well and I thought it turned out to be a huge task and then since then I've actually done a number of properties and certainly none as big as that but the other one that I did that I thought was a fascinating one was um, a beautiful very beautiful thatched cottage it was probably built about 1600 and the woman who bought it said she bought her dream home but she was afraid she was going to have to sell because it was so badly haunted that there's really only one place that felt alright and that was a galley kitchen and she listed this list of things that had happened there much of the things that you talked about earlier plus the husband had been pushed down the stairs and was in hospital for a month um, there'd been another accident the spirits they were prone to doing things like playing the musical instruments not very well um, or nicking the leaves of the electronic instruments which they obviously didn't like and there was just she had children there and she was a bit concerned about them and the effects it would have on them having this haunted house she said dogs would kind of howl at, at the space in the room and all sorts of things would go on there was just so many phenomena and she'd seen a sort of hooded monk figure and well she'd had um, a member of the clergy there every week with a team to clear the house and every week this person vicar would come and the team and they'd say oh you need to get rid of this and that and this and that and she's been told to get rid of this painting or this family heirloom or something else and she said it was always all right for about 24 hours she said the next day back to normal the noises the footsteps the drafts the visions the apparitions whatever it was it was always back and she said I didn't like to say anything to the vicar but I really have lost faith that they can do anything because it was just every week and so what I did was from a distance I decided to kind of connect with the house and met, meet the occupants and I thought oh there's quite a shower in there quite a lot and one of them I thought one of them was going to be a bit more tricky. Most of them were very, very nice and just stuck, but one of them had issues. So from a distance, I was having conversations with this guy, and by the time I got to the house, I felt quite at home, really, because I thought, oh, I know who I've got to deal with and roughly where they are. So I went around the house, I sort of sorted out where everybody was and what they were all up to, and one by one, I just sent them on, and it was great fun. I was really enjoying myself. Now the first one was um, a lady who'd lived in the house when it was probably when it was first built and when I saw her behind her I could see the house as it was and a bit like the story of maids going through the wall because they see things as they were she was seeing the house as it was and for a, just a moment 
I saw the house just as it had been and I thought that's what she's seeing and she hadn't gone anywhere because she was too frightened to go anywhere and she hadn't responded very well to the sort of the clergy because not, not everybody does I mean they didn't see the monk again so I think the monk responded very well but I don't think the rest of the occupants did so anyway I sort of very gently moved her on and got her to sort of connect with somebody and she went off really happy so I thought that was a nice easy one oh that's good so I went down to the room the one where the dogs would howl and there was two soldiers in there now there'd been a battle outside the house between cavaliers and roundheads in the olden days and so these were, this was a couple of the soldiers who'd come in because this house like my old house had a portal in it they'd just come in though they'd never lived there they thought oh it's a nice place to stay and they'd stayed on and they were very jolly really and I had no problem they went off really easy so then I had to find the one who had a bit of attitude and he was sat at the top of the stairs so I sat there and I talked to him for a good hour and really he wasn't going to go until his issues were resolved and there was plenty of them so I basically did a session as if I was working with a client with him until he got to a point where he could see there was more sense in going than staying and in the end he went off and so I just went around and did a quick spruce up around the house and I said well have a walk around how do you feel and she said well it feels very nice it feels different and oh she said yes I'm sure it's fine well we'll see if they're all back tomorrow she said and I thought well I did say I always say you know if you want to come back you can but they never want to so anyway I heard from her once more she phoned about a month later to say that the vicar was due the following week she said oh I didn't like to cancel her because oh I didn't like to, to let her know I didn't believe in what she was doing but she came the following week and she walked around the house she said oh this house is completely clear it must have worked what I did last time <laughs> and I thought well good on her at least she knew and uh, she said oh it's been fine ever since everything had stopped just like magic and I thought there you go I was really chuffed <laughs> so I think sometimes I think some of the methods that the clergy use are not very effective because they do not necessarily deal with the individuals and the reasons why they're there in the first place I think it's a sort of a blanket method you know it's like one pill cures all and it's more about shoving them out than compassionately getting them where they need to be and dealing with what it was that led them to be trapped in the first place which is I think why sometimes I'm more effective because I actually treat them like I treat any client it's just they haven't got a body but I treat them in the same way until it's like what's your issue what do you need and you know I can show you to a better place so there is one story I'd like to, to tell you about because I thought this was actually just plain funny a friend of mine works in this field and she was staying in it was a sort of it was a big hotel and I think it was a great big old like a castle type building that had been converted to a hotel and it was very very haunted and it was supposed to be one of the most haunted buildings in Britain and I think sometimes people would even stay there because they wanted to experience a haunted building like some people do well when she happened to be staying there she just thought well can't be doing with this all these earthbound spirits a lot of them were you know they weren't happy they were just stuck you know they were sort of they all had things that needed to be cleared and you can't leave people just stuck between the dimensions because they're entertainment so she dealt with them one by one she cleared whatever it was and she moved them onto the light and they're all bomb happy well then she realized that there was a problem with the hotel 
it transpired, it actually hit the, um, a newspaper headline that their clientele was going down because all the ghosts had disappeared. <laughs> and then she felt a bit guilty about it because she hadn't told them what she'd done. She just did it because it's like, you do it. There's somebody there who's like, if you see somebody lying on the floor in pain, you don't just walk by, do you? You do something. You try, you try and help. She was just helping and dealing with people's issues, realising she was in a position to do so. But the hotel weren't happy. So what she did, she thought, there's always a solution. She put a call out to anybody, any free spirits, if you like, not earthbound, but free spirits, people basically, who just aren't in incarnation, who would like to come and have a bit of fun and play at haunting a house? Is there anybody, she put out the thought, is there anybody there who would like to come and just sort of maybe even just spend a little while just kind of, you know, rattling a few chains and having a bit of fun? There was no end of people, because people don't change personality that much on the other side. So all the, all the practical jokers, a whole bunch of them, decided to take the job on. And sure enough, this place did get haunted again, but they were very confused as to why all their regular features, you know, like, like you say, somebody would go through the same wall or the same apparition. It was always different because it was never the same one. So a lot of people got to experience the effects of haunting, but it was all volunteers. So what they don't know is actually not earthbound, it's just volunteers who come in to have a bit of a good time. So you see, spirits have a sense of humour too. And uh, just another funny, just remembered something else. My friend Linda, when she went to her Uncle David's funeral, she said it was, it was a very dour affair, she said. And the vicar kept getting his name wrong. She kept, kept calling David some bill or something. She said, for a minute, I was so confused. I didn't even know I was in the right place. He'd never met the man. He didn't know him from Adam, literally. And he said, dying, he said, is just like going to sleep. And when you wake up, the first person you will see is Jesus. And she said, her uncle was sat next to her. He said, oh, no, it wasn't. It was Joyce. That was his wife we'd gone before. (laughs) (laughs) So I say, people always turn up to their funerals. My mum turned up at mine. And the only thing, because she died very, very suddenly, she'd had a heart attack. She was neither particularly old or ill. She'd just gone. The month before, she was on my trampoline dancing to Madonna, a dance track. I love this, she said, shrieking with laugh. I said, you can play this at my funeral. So the only thing I had to go on was this very loud piece of Madonna's dance music called Hung Up. So at the funeral, at the end, you know, that, that awful bit where the coffin goes and everyone's going to burst into tears, suddenly Madonna's dance music came on really loud and all the relatives are like, oh. Anyway, my friend Linda said, I could see your mother and she was dancing. (laughs) So I was very pleased. I thought, yep, she approved of that. People can also get attached to an object. People can get attached to people and places, but also things. And I have mentioned that. An example of that was um, an old harp. That um, harp, the musical instrument. My father bought it when he was an antique dealer and left it in what was the then dining room of the house and it would play itself it didn't have many many strings though so it wasn't very melodious and it would send my mother running out in the street and in the end she said it's got to go so whoever had been the original harpist had obviously come with it so you do have to be very careful if you're very fond of buying old things you know antiques or 
know, are wearing second-hand clothes or jewellery because you might find you get more than you bargained for. A very good case in point of that is uh, a friend of mine and uh, he's a musician. And a friend of his, he's another musician, he's also a guitarist, bought a guitar on eBay. It's very recent. And after he bought his electric guitar, which he thought was really cool and it was a good price, he developed a shoulder problem and in fact it got worse and worse and worse and it became quite disabling and he saw my friend to actually have a kinesiology treatment to try and uncover what was going on in his shoulder and what my friend, friend found was actually the problem was more to do with spirit attachment it transpired the person who had previously owned and played this guitar had actually had an accident and as a result of the accident he'd lost his arm and as a result of losing his arm he couldn't play guitar anymore and as a result of losing his arm and not being able to play guitar he got very depressed and he killed himself so one of his relatives who'd ended up with the guitar sold it he followed the guitar and then he joined the next person who was playing the guitar to I suppose have a go at playing the guitar again but along with that he brought with him all the pain from having had his arm severed so you do have to be a bit careful with your second hand stuff is the message check it out first you know does it feel right to you if it's got a bit of a dodgy vibe just be aware there could be a reason so you know I'm very fond of second hand things but I do tend to check them out if an object has got somebody attached to it, that is somebody who basically needs to be assisted in moving on to the light where they need to go. If it's just a build-up of old energy attached to it, I would suggest that you transmute the energy of it using the silver-violet flame of Saint-Germain. Visualize that going through it and transmute the energy of it. Do it mentally yourself. And if that isn't enough, you could try smudging it with some white sage, you could burn frankincense by it, obviously not on it, <laughs> or you set it on fire, sprinkle it with water that's been blessed, there's any number of things you can do to just try and cleanse the energy of it, so if it bothers you I suggest you do all of those things, if it bothers you it's probably got a bit of a vibe to it, things that have been sacred objects that have um, something that's they've been in the church and there's been a lot of prayer around it will often have an amazing energy to it which is why if you go into an old temple and you have like old statues of Buddha they often have an amazing kind of aura about them and a really positive feeling about them so it can work for, for the good as well because something that has had a lot of positive energy poured into it is an amazing thing to have and the same if you're buying a second hand piece of jewellery if it's something that's been much loved and the person's always had great times wearing it will have a lovely energy and even it's true of clothes as well I had one dress that I think every time I wore it something horrible happened and it was a very nice dress and I only wore it three times and, and I can remember every event which I won't actually recall now because they're all a bit grim but I can remember every event that happened when I wore that dress and it was in my wardrobe and I looked at it and I thought it's nearly new, it looks great but I know what I'd feel like if I wear it again because all I'm going to think about is those events so for me, I could not wear it. It's like the energy of that dress was not in harmony with me. You can actually get out of harmony with your own clothes. Things I used to wear when I was a school teacher. When I left being a school teacher, I couldn't wear any of those clothes anymore. 
because the whole energy of me had changed. It's like I'd become somebody else. I'd reinvented myself. I wasn't that person anymore. The vibe of that person, who wasn't always thrilled and happy all the time, for some reason. Could it be, could it be the stress of the job? But for some reason, I just, um, I just felt I had to get rid of all those clothes. But for somebody else, my clothes would have been quite in harmony with their energy field, but they weren't in harmony with my own. So if I do buy a second-hand something that I might wear, I do actually just kind of check out the energy and I ask myself, does this energy feel good and in harmony with my own? Because it's not that it's necessarily bad, it's just different energies can be in harmony with you or not in harmony with you. Do you feel like some people? Some people you feel there's nothing wrong with them, but they're just not in harmony with your energy. So it's a bit like making that judgment when you're buying things, does this feel right for me? And you just get gut feeling, you know, some things just don't feel too good or even if it looks good, you think, oh, I don't feel good in it. So that can be true of jewellery, of clothes, or objects around the house. Things carry an energy. They will carry the energy of other people who have handled them, or used them, or worn them, or whatever it is. So it's just a bit of energy awareness, really. It's not necessarily that the person who originally played it, wore it, or whatever, has come with it, but it is possible. Any other questions? Yes. When you uh, speak to these spirits, they often come from an earlier age. Mm-hmm. Does it ever come about in your conversation that they learn from your from their future, or they're not interested in you at all? I suppose if you exist in a kind of eternal now, it doesn't really figure that there's. Ah. It's like time just doesn't exist on that dimension. So it's not like saying oh, I'm in the future because somehow they're very confused. Yes, they know their year, and sometimes they can be very confused. And a good point that was raised in the break time, of course, a lot of people don't know they're even dead, and they're just getting confused. Why don't people see me? Why is this as it is? You know, it's like everything's a bit confusing. And often they're seeing things as it was in their time anyway, and they're seeing what they expect to see. Now, another story, um, which was a, a clearing that my friend Linda did, was this young woman was having a problem where, with her partner being pulled out of bed by, by ghostly hands in the night and it was becoming quite an issue and what had happened was the previous occupant of the flat had been killed in a motorcycle accident and he'd been on his way home when the accident occurred now this young man had actually carried on every, every night coming home and he was coming home to his wife now this person wasn't his wife she'd left the house but the woman who bought it, he was kind of, you just come back and just see a man in bed with who he thought was his wife because he expected his wife to be there. So he was basically pulling out who he thought was the wife's lover. So he was confused. He didn't even know he was dead. And actually, you know, my friend did move him on. And the woman who had bought the property did find out about the previous owners. And sure enough, the woman had left after her husband had been killed in an accident. So it was actually immediately before. So, um, so sometimes people just get plain confused. They're not really, it's not a case of, you know, this is now and I'm seeing, you know, life unfolding. They're kind of, t- they're seeing what they expect to see to some extent. I think from my experience of that property I grew up in, sometimes they, they're not aware of each other because they're on slightly different vibrational levels, on, it's like on different frequencies. It's almost like to tune into somebody who's in spirit, you have to kind of turn your radio dial a little bit and if you turn it a bit more, you get a different station. I think it's a bit like that. So I think 
no not necessarily well only in as much as you your eye if if you were in spirit and I wasn't I might bump into you in the same way but it's like different levels within the levels Uh, when you talk to these different entities, um, they might be talking back in the 16th century or the 17th century, mm-hmm. your English language is very much different then. Well, this talk on our level, are they, or, or you can understand how they're talking, they're different sort of languages. Well, when you're actually speaking on that, in that way, I do all the, the speaking, or most of it I do silently. I do it through thought. And if you're transmitting thought to thought, the thought is clear and often in pictures and it doesn't matter about the language so much. It's never been an issue because that guy, that ancient Egyptian, he would have been talking some ancient form of Arabic. Now I've got a few words of Arabic but he was talking in English to us because he was coming through an English channel. So actually, I don't know that that would be a problem because we're doing thought to thought. It's like thought transference and the meaning behind the words is the bit that goes and maybe it's also a case that perhaps if somebody would say Russian they would be guided to go to you know a Russian release worker rather than to me because I've never had one I'd say the only foreign one that I did have to do anything with was speaking in English which is very handy <laughs> yeah um, you know you said that um, people often know when you have an attachment yes what if you were a child and had an attachment for years you wouldn't well it is possible yes Mm. yeah I mean I think all things are possible I think certainly the ones that have come to me have been aware but I think yes it is true to say that you know it is possible for somebody to attach to a child Um, and um, people actually young, young people who use drugs will often have entities attached but not all these entities are going to be human they will have what called substance spirits they're sort of more sort of you know things associated with the drugs they're using will attach so not all beings that attach are actually of human origin anyway they can get other things too well this is one of the, the things that can happen that somebody you, as I said earlier somebody if they join to you will in a way give you a little bit of what they were like so their personality, you might find your personality will change a bit or you might get aches and pains but equally you might find your interests change but sometimes an entity will join someone because they share the same interests and an example of that of one that happened by invitation was a man who actually did make it as far as making an appointment with me but never showed up and he was a martial artist and in competition and very very high levels of competition and he was awfully good but what was giving him the edge was his attached entity who was basically one hell of a martial artist who was Japanese and ferocious and it really gave him an edge now it was actually his partner girlfriend I believe who wanted him to get rid of this other one that she felt the presence of but actually he, you know, I think she made the appointment for him, and he, he just cancelled. He didn't want to. He actually didn't want to let go of that because he. It was more important for him to be winning high levels of competition with this, whatever he was, kind of samurai warrior on board, than it was for him to be free of an entity and work on his relationship. He was very competitive, so that was kind of 
one that I nearly got another one that I nearly had who made an appointment and didn't show was an undertaker <laughs> and I tell you you could have heard him on the phone there were so many attached to him and I don't know why him but he was standing so woebegone and he made the appointment and then he sort of he phoned up and said oh, I don't feel too well I make an appointment when I'm feeling better well he never called again sometimes people who've got an entity attached find it very hard to get to the appointment for some reason well sometimes they just don't realise how much better it's going to be for them when they have become detached because they're going to have a much much better time but they just don't know that and it's like you know you know, occasionally they can get a bit stubborn and um, I did have one who was particularly stubborn who was um, connecting he connected to somebody I know and he was quite foul mouthed and I think he had been my friend was Australian I think this entity had been as well but he was very rude to me and he was basically telling me where I could go and he, to start with he didn't seem to know he was dead but then he sort of seemed to understand that and then I suggested that I got his wife to come and get him and he kept saying no you can't do that she'll kill me <laughs> and I just seemed so surreal and I said but she can't because you're already dead and he said he wasn't going to go because the reason he connected to this person was vengeance he was trying to get his own back on this person but not because of who they were but because of who they had been in another life so it was a bit mean really and no amount of reasoning was getting through and I think I'm a bit like a dog with a bone you know you can't get one off of me you know I, I just wouldn't let this drop and I wouldn't let, let him go and in the end he told me I was a nag and then he said you remind me of my wife and anyway I tried some different ploys and in the end he said well I'm going to go just get away from you he said <laughs> and I thought oh, well that worked and off he went and I didn't get thank you and one of the funnier ones was this guy had more than one entity and the other one had been a gay gentleman who had joined him through some activity one day and it was so funny because a lot of them can be quite rude when I've got somebody under hypnosis and somebody is and asking the entity to speak the voice often changes and the intonation changes and occasionally what they say is quite rude so I'm used to being told you know what's it to you bag a laugh <laughs> and various other things and I, I sort of don't take it personally but this one said hello <laughs> and uh, it was like <laughs> very nicely spoken and this lovely soft way of speaking he was so polite oh he was lovely anyway he was a, a gay sort and he was very sweet but uh, so some of them are just a bit truculent but it's always interesting anyway do you find people with this is another possibility and I think yes it can happen there was a wonderful case that I saw on television it was one of those where I was nearly leaping off the chair with annoyance and irritation when they got the scientists on to explain all this. The case, it was probably about five, six years ago now. It was a TV series of Strange But True or The Unexplained or something like that anyway. And it was on you know, terrestrial channels. And this case that they were showing was of somebody, it was 
a, a woman who had I can't remember if it was a kidney transplant it, it was a body part transplant I think it was kidney and her donor had been a black man who had been very he was a big strong young man basically and he'd been very into things like I think it was boxing or wrestling or something it was in America it's an American case and he liked to drink cans go out with the lads and watch his sport and that was what he was into and I think he was in his early 20s when he died in an accident and she received I think it was a kidney well after her transplant she changed personality before transplant all American wife very fond of sewing and um, cooking and very quiet after transplant drinking beer out of cans going to wrestling matches and becoming very loud and bawdy now of course the experts were all saying oh well you know the personality change was due to the stress of the operation but she had become like this young man now she got to meet the family of the donors because it became sort of I think it's a fairly celebrated case and she wanted to thank the family of the donor and the mother of the young man said oh you know it was just like having my boy back <laughs> and I thought how much evidence do you need that the energy of this young man had followed the living organ and joined this woman and was still carrying on now the husband of this woman was thrilled he had his wife lots of sex and everything that was going with his wife but he had a mate he had somebody to go out boozing with and to go to wrestling with and she was one of the lads as well as being his wife and he had the best of both of them he was thrilled actually personality change so it was working all round there are a lot of people who are mentally ill in mm -hmm. mental hospitals yes and I suppose some of them might be a case of attachment or possession yes but how does the medical profession react to your work uh, it, no I think most of them probably are completely oblivious to it there is actually a group of psychiatrists who are working with spirit release and quite successfully as well now the thing is with the symptoms of spirit attachment are often quite similar to symptoms of schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder can all get somehow linked up as well with spirit attachment there's a number of psychiatric disorders that are very similar and sometimes people with psychiatric conditions tend to, they tend to have what I call flaky boundaries they're more liable to get attachments as well so they could have a mental condition and attached entities going on and I have treated one young woman who was put in an institution when she was I think she was in her mid-teens and she was having voices in her head and that was a very good example of somebody who was actually quite clairvoyant who did have an attached entity I had one session with her and magically all the voices stopped because it was just the person she was hearing so sometimes I think people can be wrongly diagnosed because of it and they are definitely hearing voices there's different ways you can hear voices you can hear voices because you're psychic or you can hear voices because you've got an entity or you can hear voices because you're hearing voices <laughs> and actually I've, I've come across a fair few of all sorts but 
because um, at one time I did have a student on one of my courses who was kind of hearing voices and was convinced she had an entity and actually she did have one and when the entity had gone she was still hearing the voices and then we realised she actually also had a psychiatric condition so she had to leave the course because you can't do you know, this kind of work if you do have a, a mental problem because you wouldn't know what you were hearing whether you were hearing the right thing or whether you are just hearing what you were hearing because you have got a mental problem Curses can be released Curses can be sent, they can also be released. It's not an entity, it's the energy, it's like the thought behind it, it's the thing that carries on. But that can be, that can be, you know, that is like if somebody puts a thought out there, but it is also possible to dissolve that thought and to release it. It's like yes, it's wishing. Basically, it's somebody sending ill ill will to somebody else with a strong intention, a focused mind. Just like sending healing and sending goodwill and healing with a focused mind. You know, it's just, it's just you know that works in the set. You know, it just it works. But I say all these things, you can actually release curses and hexes. You can release them across time and space, and you can release them for yourself and also all, all your family as well. How do you do that? Uh, a declaration. I haven't got it with me. It's something you'd actually, you'd have to sort of declare and ask for the archangels to act as your witnesses and I can't remember it all off the top of my head but it was like, I declare all curses and hexes sent by me or to me across time and space for myself and all my family are now released and you do it three times over so you can actually declare it and release it. So I say these things, if you have been, you can let them go. And you can let them go through the past and you can let them go for your family. You can do the same with promises made across time and space that are also following you, if you like, and biting on the bum later on where you've actually sort of declared that for all time ever you will be doing something for somebody. And then, of course, in another lifetime, the promise is carried on. You can dissolve those and you can do those again for yourself. But you can't do that you can't dissolve promises for other people because they might want to keep them. Poverty, chastity and obedience vows from being um, a monk or a nun in the past can sometimes carry on and lead you to have issues with money or relationships later on. So they're always worth, as part of you know, a lot of things I do with my work, it's one of the things that I often do with people if it seems appropriate, is to release curses or promises made across time and space just so they've got a clean slate now there's all sorts of things that can happen that can affect how you are in this, in this life, in this time. Well, yes, I do believe in, in cause and effect. And I also, from what I gather from what I've been hearing from more recent messages from Ascended Masters, that karma actually is now ceasing to be. So I think karma was the old way of doing things, but now it's almost like everything is more of an instant. You know, like all the thoughts that you've put out in your life are kind of coming back quite rapidly at the moment. Some of us are probably seeing that. And things that you put out now are also coming back very rapidly. So we're in a process of massive change and clearing. And I think, yes, karma, I think, was the old way of everything happening. Uh, now we haven't got time to faff around with lifetime after lifetime and sorting this and that and the other out. We're sorting it out now because we're raising our energy up. We're, we're lifting our, ourselves up, as I mentioned. And so we can't be fanning around with all of that anymore. But I say, yes, I think that program that we used to have and I certainly believe that we choose our incarnation for a reason we choose our parents we choose which country we're going to be in for the experiences we're going to have 
we put ourselves in the right place at the right time for what we're all about and what is our soul's path to do is what I believe.